Good morning. Welcome to St. Paul's. Before we get started with our service, just one brief announcement. Uh, someone mentioned that there's a white Jeep parked out in the parking lot outside of the school doors with the lights have been on for 20, 30 minutes already. So if that's yours, uh, feel free to go out and address that. Many people have commented on the rain this morning. We're all hoping that that's going to green things up and keep things growing out in the lawns and out in the fields. But maybe you also noticed that things are greener in here today, too. Now that we're in the non-festival half of the church here, the color that you'll be seeing up front and the stole on the pyramids is green. Because in this long season of the church here, the Lord wants to green us up, to grow us in the knowledge and Christian living that flows from Christ's teachings. Today, we'll be considering whom the Lord calls to follow him and also to serve in his kingdom. The Lord calls sinners into his service. We'll be following the order of service as it's printed for you in the worship folder and projected on the screen. Let's begin with our first hymn, 706. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. God invites us to come into his presence and worship him with humble and penitent hearts. Therefore, let us acknowledge our sinfulness and ask him to forgive us. Holy and merciful Father, I confess that I am by nature sinful and that I have disobeyed you in my thoughts, words, and actions. I have done what is evil and failed to do what is good. For this I deserve your punishment, 
both now and in eternity. But I am truly sorry for my sins, and trusting in my Savior, Jesus Christ, I pray, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. God, our Heavenly Father, has been merciful to us and has given his only Son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Therefore, as a called servant of Christ, and by his authority, I forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. For all that we need in life, and for the wisdom to use all your gifts with gratitude and joy, hear our prayer, O Lord. For the steadfast assurance that nothing can separate us from your love, and for the courage to stand firm against the assaults of Satan and every evil, hear our prayer, O Christ. For the well-being of your holy church in all the world, and for those who offer here their worship and praise, hear our prayer, O Lord. Merciful God, maker and preserver of life, uphold us by your power and keep us in your tender care. The works of the Lord are great and glorious. His name is worthy of praise. Merciful God, you sent your Son, Jesus Christ, to seek and to save the lost. Graciously open our ears and our hearts to hear his call and follow him by faith, that we may feast with him forever in his kingdom. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Please be seated. On this Sunday, where we say farewell to some of our called workers, our principal and our preschool teacher, it's very fitting for us to consider whom does the Lord call into his service to help lead and build up his people. In our first lesson from Exodus chapter 3, we hear how God called a murderer, Moses, a fugitive who was on the run from Pharaoh's justice. God calls Moses to lead his people and to rescue his people. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. 
So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you, and this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, What is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name you shall call me from generation to generation. This is the word of our God. Continue with the anthem.
our second lesson today, taken from 1 Timothy chapter 1. We usually think of the Apostle Paul as a powerful missionary whom God used tirelessly all around the Mediterranean Sea. But Paul reminds us he was a persecutor, a violent man. Yet the point there is God's patience. God's patience with Paul and his patience with you and me, whom he can also use very powerfully in our own areas of life. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has given me strength, that he considered me trustworthy, appointing me to his service. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord is poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. stand in honor of the gospel. The gospel from Matthew chapter 9 serves as the basis for our sermon today. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him, and Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. This is the gospel of the Lord. Be seated for our next hymn, 578.
mercy and peace to you from God our Heavenly Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, sanctify us by the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. Later this month is the NBA draft. And I thought since we were saying goodbye to Principal Marone today, we had to include something with basketball this morning. One of the top prospects for this year is a French man by the name of Victor Wembanyama. That's difficult to pronounce. But he is seven feet two inches tall. I usually feel like I'm fairly tall, but I would be looking up at seven feet two. He's athletic, he's coordinated. And he's one of the most amazing prospects that they've been talking about for a generation, or so they say. Any ball that gets lobbed to him on the inside, he can pretty much take it and dunk it. From the outside, all the way from the logo that's well beyond the three-point line, he's fairly accurate at shooting. And he's got great instincts for blocking shots on defense as well. But... He's had a few injuries that he's struggled with. He's had a broken finger, he hurt his shoulder, and he's had a, a muscle in his leg that kept him out a decent portion of the last season of their league in France. And when it comes to choosing a new player, teams in the NBA, they want to be very careful. If this person gets plagued by injuries, it's going to be so much of a loss for us with not only games, but also money, if they wash out, we're out of luck. Now, I can understand teams in the NBA taking a little bit of a gamble when it comes to whom they choose on their team. But how about when it comes to souls? When people's eternal salvation is at stake, how could you possibly gamble on that by whom you pick to be on your team, whom you pick to be a leader in your church. How could God possibly call sinners? How could those people possibly stay healthy? If they're ethically ailing, morally impaired, if their character is crippled, that didn't make any sense to the leaders in the church back at Jesus' time. And it still seems like foolishness to many people today. But the Lord knows what he's doing with his church. With whom he calls to follow him, to represent him, and to serve his people. Jesus calls sinners to follow him and to learn mercy. Jesus was being mobbed with people so that the miracle that he performed just prior to this section of Matthew, there were so many people crowding around the house that others couldn't even get in. They had to lower a paralyzed man through the roof just to get to Jesus. Jesus healed that man. Jesus was being swarmed wherever he went. It's not as though he had to wait until the seventh round for a draft pick. Jesus could have called anyone he wanted to follow him, yet Jesus found his way to a man named Matthew at a tax collector booth. The Romans had several different ways of collecting taxes, but one of them was on goods that were in transit, being transported along roads, and they would charge merchants for these, and those costs would be passed along to the consumer, and so the Roman government got their taxes. Capernaum, the city where Matthew was, was on a road called the Via Maris. We might think of it as kind of a lakeshore drive for the Mediterranean region of that time. A pretty popular road. Many people went back and forth on it. Now it was members of a conquered people who would bid to become tax collectors. They would have to pay the Roman government for the right to do that. But as they collaborated with the Romans then, the Roman army would back the tax collectors not only to take what the Roman government wanted, but whatever above and beyond that that the tax collector felt they deserved. So, people despised tax collectors. Uh, they were excommunicated from the synagogues. 
they were avoided by their own countrymen, except if someone went over to spit on the tax collector's shadow. That wasn't considered rude to do, because they were tax collectors after all. Yet Jesus walked up to Matthew, this sinner, this tax collector, and said, follow me. Only two words, but that really said so much to Matthew. This was not just a, well, on your lunch break, come and watch some miracles. Or after your shift at the tax collector booth, why don't you come fishing with me? No, when Jesus said, follow me, this was a permanent, long-term following, full-time for Matthew. This was also a personal invitation. You, you personally, you as an individual, Matthew, follow me. And think about what that meant. Matthew was considered a traitor to his countrymen, but he was really hostile to God by nature. Matthew wasn't a chief tax collector. He was just a lowly tax collector, but he was a chief sinner in God's eyes. Matthew was doing pretty well for himself financially, but he was really broken bankrupt before God. Yet when Jesus said, follow me, those words had power. Those words were gospel and grace. Those words were a warm welcome from Matthew's Savior, forgiving words, a gracious invitation. So what did Matthew do? He didn't say, well, let me see if I don't have anything better to do later. He didn't hold out to see how great a contract he could get with Jesus. Matthew got up right away and followed Jesus immediately, without any reservation, unquestioningly, right away, Matthew got up and followed Jesus. Now, in order to be a follower of Jesus today, that does not mean that you can't have another job or that you can't have money. After all, when repentant tax collectors talked to John the Baptist, asking John, what should we do? John simply said, don't collect more taxes than people owe. He didn't say that they had to leave their tax collectors' booths and never collect taxes anymore. Yet Matthew left behind his past, what would have been his future. He left behind his job because following Jesus does mean this. It means trusting in Jesus, learning from Jesus, and obeying Jesus are your primary priorities in life. Daily, standing up and walking away from sin and anything else that would hinder your service to God. All day, every day, way of life, following Jesus. Yet back in Jesus' time, and still today, pastors and staff ministers who only follow Jesus when members are around, but when other times, when members aren't around, do whatever they want in life, or teachers who only follow Jesus when school is in session, but other times go wherever, do whatever, called workers who put their hobbies far higher than their calling of following Jesus and serving his people, called workers who resent the level of compensation they have because they could be making so much money somewhere else, called workers who willfully neglect their duties, or any follower of Jesus who thinks that following Jesus is just part-time, they're not following Matthew's example. And worse yet, they're despising Jesus' call and distancing themselves from the only one who can save them. Yet what did Matthew do? After Jesus called him to follow him, Matthew held a huge banquet, invited tax collectors, sinners, all kinds of people, Practically everyone that he knew, Matthew invited to a banquet at his house. Matthew must have been wealthy if he was able to serve this many people and if he was able to host them all at his own house. Yet back then, having a meal with someone wasn't quite the same as it is today. It wasn't just a meaningless meal or a casual encounter. 
dining with someone signified a special relationship, a close connection. And that's exactly what Jesus came to bring and to retain with sinners like you and me and like Matthew. Jesus came to share with us. He shared our humanity, taking on our human nature. Jesus shared living in this sin-cursed world with us. Jesus shared with us in carrying out God's law and being subject to God's law. Jesus followed his Father's will, followed the law's demands. He followed love for all people, and he did so completely, correctly, continually, every hour, with every ounce of his being. He never took a day off, never considered himself more important than the path that he came to walk for you and me. And he shares that with us. He takes all of our sin, all of our hesitation, all of our weak wills, took it on himself at the cross. And he gives us his perfect following. He shares that with us, wraps us in it in our baptisms, fills us with it in the Lord's Supper. And he promises it to us. He promises to share a place at his heavenly banquet in glory there in our Heavenly Father's mansion. Jesus calls sinners, even called workers, to follow him forgiven, but also to learn mercy. The Pharisees, they knew an awful lot. They knew their scriptures backward and forward. The Pharisees knew the law of Moses extremely well. They had put their hopes in it. They knew all the traditions of the rabbis. They knew sacrifices and Sabbaths and seats of honor at banquets. The Pharisees, they knew merit. I do something right, and I deserve something in return. But they did not understand mercy. And so the Pharisees at this banquet, they went up to Jesus' disciples and said, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? This wasn't so much of a question as it was a complaint. If your teacher, Jesus, if he claims to be so righteous, what business does he have being anywhere near people who are unrighteous? That's just not right. It's interesting that the Pharisees, they didn't complain to Jesus about this. They complained to Jesus' disciples. And isn't that what still happens today? When people have an issue with Jesus, they take it out on Christians. They complain and criticize Christians. But did you realize that Matthew is known as the silent disciple? Nowhere in Scripture are any words quoted of Matthew's. Matthew didn't need to speak for himself. Who answered the Pharisees' objections here? It was Jesus Matthew simply let Jesus speak, and that's all we Christians need to do today, too. We let Jesus answer the criticisms. We show others Jesus' words, and that teaches them everything anyone ever needs to know. Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. There at the banquet with Jesus were people who were so ill with immorality, people who were highly infected with the gangrene of greed and ill-gotten gain, people who were terminal with iniquity. And these Pharisees wanted to deny them treatment. They wanted to block them from access to the care that they needed more than anything else. The Pharisees were truly sick as well. Just like getting in a car accident and breaking your leg, having it dangling and dragging behind you, yet refusing to go to the hospital. Or like a person who can't stop using and can't admit that they're addicted. Yet you and I know what it's like to be just like those Pharisees, don't we? We've looked down on criminals when we're guilty of hatred and greed in our own hearts. 
We've despised those who don't go to church. When even though we've been here in person or bodily, our hearts have been far away from the Lord. We make fun of the pride crowd when we've got our own lusts that we struggle with and have given into. We despise a drunk when we've had too many before as well. We scoff at a lazy person when no matter how hard we work, we could never satisfy a holy God. Self-righteousness looking down on others who don't deserve to be around Jesus either. Self-righteousness is a plague that's just as deadly as any other sin. Jesus says, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Jesus was referencing words from the prophet Hosea, who ministered to the northern kingdom of Israel. Hosea was supposed to take unfaithful wife. And that was a picture of what the Israelites were doing to the Lord at the time. The Israelites were constantly prostituting themselves against the Lord and worshiping Baal and Ashtoreth and going along with all the sexual immorality that took part at that worship. They thought, well, I can just keep sacrificing offerings to the Lord and he'll be okay with me continuing to sin, continuing to be unfaithful to him. The Lord is not okay. He wants nothing to do with phony praise, pretend repentance. He wants nothing to do with counterfeit confession or worthless worship. He wants the sick. People who realize that they're sick and they're sick and tired of it. People who recognize that they need treatment so that they can be free from the scourge of sin. So we learn of mercy. We learn of mercy when we look to the cross where Jesus suffered all the pain for the sin that we tried to ignore. Where Jesus was publicly humiliated in our place. Where Jesus was crushed with death for us to spare you and me. To spare Matthew to spare sinners and prostitutes and tax collectors. You and I are forgiven. We're washed. We've been given the treatment that we needed more than anything else, and that is mercy. Our preschool teacher has been a magnet for little children for the past five years. During the school week, During Sunday school on Sunday mornings, jam events on Saturdays, book reading events on weekday evenings, she's been a magnet for little children to draw those little sinners to Jesus so that they could learn of his mercy as well through her quiet voice, her enthusiastic telling of Bible stories, through her many songs, those little sinners could learn mercy and follow Jesus. Our principal, he loves basketball, loves coaching basketball, is very good at it, but he didn't get drafted by the NBA, which may come off as a surprise to some of us. If you saw that video of the trick basketball shots that he did back during COVID, didn't get called up to the NBA, but he received a more important calling called to follow Jesus. He followed Jesus here to Howard's Grove. He's following Jesus over to Eau Claire where he will coach and develop more followers of Jesus to keep learning and growing in Jesus' mercy. Why would Jesus call sinners? Why would Jesus call sinners to serve in the public ministry either? who understands better the skillful hand of our great physician? Who knows more personally the shame of sin but the delight of dining with Jesus and sharing grace with their Savior? 
No one is in a better position to share Jesus with others than a sinner who knows Jesus' mercy themselves. So dear sinner, each and every one of us, let's be part of that. Called workers here at St. Paul's, let's continue doing that work. Just like our principal and preschool teacher will continue that. Bringing Jesus' voice to others, come follow me, sinner. Follow me and learn of my mercy. Amen. Please stand. May the peace of God, which goes beyond all understanding, guard your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. We confess our faith using the words of the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is, seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became truly human. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who in unity with the Father and the Son is worshiped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. We continue with prayer. Ascended Jesus, we praise you for the many blessings you have brought to our congregation through Chad and Anne Marone. We thank you for their dedicated, humble service, for teaching and equipping our youth with your word, and for the growth in ministry that you've allowed during their time here. Be with them and their children. Provide strength and focus and all they need to continue serving your church in the years to come. We also join to pray in our Savior's name. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. And the peace of the Lord be with you always.
please be seated for communion. At this time, we also direct any visitor's attention to our close communion announcement. 